From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Wow. I cannot believe we've made it to episode 40, but here we are. Welcome back if you are coming back, and if you're here for the first time, welcome. I hope you enjoy your experience over the next few minutes as we talk about a whole bunch of things cannabis. I've got a variety of interesting cannabis-related stories for you this week. For example, did you hear that Amsterdam is trying to discourage cannabis tourism? (laughs) Canadian tourism, are you listening? And speaking of Canada, a report on the fact that beer sales are declining, perhaps because of cannabis. This is our fifth episode in a row where we have a cannabis conversation. We finally get an opportunity to check into La Belle Provence. And we hear from Quebec and its cannabis landscape from our new friend Shane O'Brien. And if we can squeeze it in, we'll also do a peek at StatsCan's comparison of life before and after legalization. It's a jam-packed episode, so let's get started with episode 40 of the Cannabis Podcast. And let me also share a random factoid that I dug up that I find really interesting. If you studied stoned, you can take the test stoned. Uh, I've heard of this, and and I've actually tried it, and I think it works. It's thanks to a phenomenon known as state-dependent learning. And because of that, it's not a good idea to study for a test or prepare for a presentation while under the influence of cannabis unless you also intend to take the test or give your presentation while stoned. Studies have shown that subjects perform better on memory recall tasks if they were high while memorizing and when asked to recall the information. Kind of keep your mind in the same state, I guess. All right, there's a random factoid for you. Here's another random factoid that I was surprised to come across this story the other day in relation to Amsterdam, that long in my mind, it's been the place where you could go to smoke cannabis and there are Amsterdam cafes. Apparently, Amsterdam is considering banning tourists from cannabis cafes. This is a story from CNN. Amsterdam is considering banning from its infamous cannabis vending coffee shops as the city explores new ways to balance quality of life for locals with the demands of visitors. The move follows a recent survey of young tourists commissioned by Mayor Franke Halsema that revealed over half said they chose to visit the Dutch capital because they wanted to experience a cannabis cafe. The survey looked at the most popular reasons for visiting Amsterdam and sought to investigate what would happen to the willingness of tourists to visit Amsterdam if either the availability or accessibility of one or more of these factors should reduce or disappear. Amsterdam has increasingly tried to address over-tourism in recent years, as the famously liberal city strains to deal with a surge in visitors with tourists behaving badly. Nasty tourists. Maybe this is why we don't want to consider cannabis tourism for Canada, but of course, we have to open up a whole bunch of different things first. Some 57% of respondents said coffee shops are an important reason for why they came to Amsterdam. Meanwhile, 34% indicated they'd come to Amsterdam less often if they weren't able to visit coffee shops, and 11% said they wouldn't come at all. In a letter to councillors before the survey took place in July of 2019, Halsema suggested that the city's coffee shops can put the quality of life in the city centre under pressure. Different municipalities in the Netherlands have different coffee shop rules, and discussions on barring everyone except residents are not new. This conversation became heated back in 2011 and 12, with Amsterdam fighting back against the proposed introduction of a residence-only rule across the Netherlands coffee shops. Today, this rule does exist in one district in the south of the country. To add to the slightly confusing setup, buying cannabis from a coffee shop is legal in the Netherlands, 
but producing cannabis remains illegal. The New Amsterdam survey points out that barring non-residents from the coffee shops doesn't necessarily translate to a reduction in visitors or a reduction in cannabis use. Of the visitor survey, 29% said they would return to other routes in search of their drug fix, getting a resident to buy cannabis for them or via street trading, for example. So there you go. Canada is not the only one that is dealing with it. And of course, as we've just discovered, it's illegal to produce cannabis in Amsterdam, but it is legal to purchase it in the uh, cafes. So if you decide that you want to leave our legalized world of cannabis and uh, go visit somewhere else, perhaps you might want to wait until they figure all this out in Amsterdam, because you might not be able to buy any more pot if you don't actually live there. Another story I found interesting this last week uh, relates to another intoxicant in use in Canada. At least it has been as long as I've been alive, and that's beer. Beer sales have been declining. This is a story from Marijuana Business Daily, mjbizdaily.com. Canadian beer sales continue to slide in face of rising cannabis sector. Interesting. The Canadian beer market suffered its biggest decline in years in 2019 as competition increased from other beverage categories and an expanding cannabis industry. Sales volume of domestic and imported beer fell 3% last year from 2018, which was the steepest decline in at least seven years, according to data from industry group Beer Canada. We're going to have an industry group called Cannabis Canada soon? I hope so. Maybe it already exists. I just don't know about it. Domestic beer sales were hit especially hard, closing 2019 with eight consecutive monthly losses. In December, domestic beer sales fell 4% or... 68,000 hectoliters compared to the same period a year earlier. Adult-use cannabis sales, in comparison, rose from 53 million Canadian dollars in November 2018 to Canadian 135 million in November 2019. The slow start was in line with the rational industry expectations. Now, some brewers have partnered with cannabis companies in an effort to tap a growth industry. Molson Coors, for example, struck a joint venture with Ontario-headquartered cannabis producer Hexo last year after concluding the emergence of legal cannabis in certain U.S. states and Canada may result in a shift of discretionary income away from our products or a change in consumer preferences away from beer, the brewer stated. The joint venture, Truss, is building a production facility in Belleville, Ontario for the launch of cannabis-infused beverages in the Canadian market, we currently expect that Truss will launch products in 2020, subject to and after all of its licenses and regulatory clearances have been obtained, the company noted in a regulatory filing last week. Now, brewers could come under renewed pressure when marijuana companies launch cannabinoid-infused beverages in the coming months. We're still waiting for those, of course. Canadian market leader Canopy Growth recently delayed the launch of its line of beverages, and Seattle-based data firm Headset predicts that the Canadian market for cannabis edibles and beverages will settle above 12% by the end of 2020. So, maybe it's because of the increase in cannabis sales that beer sales are declining? I'd like to think that more people are enjoying a joint instead of having a beer, although I occasionally still like to have a beer, especially after a nice round of golf. But keep our eye on that. That could be another industry that is changing as a result of cannabis being legalized. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. For anyone who comes frequently to this podcast, you'll know that one of the things I like to do is have conversations with people about cannabis, whether they are somebody famous who has a something to say about it, or they're just like you and me, and they just like talking about cannabis. 
And in fact, it's probably those conversations that I like the most. Well, today is such a day. I have always been pleased when I get reports from somebody who's listening to the podcast. They send me an email and say that they've been enjoying it and give me some suggestions. And I'm always asking for people if they have somebody who they think that I should talk to to give me a call and let me know. Well, such a call or such an email dropped into my email box probably a month, about a month ago now. <laughs> it is surprising how difficult it is to set up time frames when you are three provinces or four or five provinces away. But Shane O'Brien is a listener from Quebec, and Shane contacted me and he said, would you like to get a perspective on how things are in Quebec? Because if so, I'd be really happy to come onto the podcast and talk about it. So guess what? I'm right now giving Shane O'Brien a call. And I think we're going to connect this time. Hello. Hello. Is this the infamous Shane O'Brien? <laughs> it is. This is scary. <laughs> this is. How are you? We did it, Shane. <laughs> I know. After uh, two weeks now. <laughs> Total determination got us there. There we go. <laughs> and I appreciate it. So how is your day going? Not too bad. I'm just uh, working through harvest right now. Oh, nice. What, what have you got coming off on harvest? Uh, some cotton candy kush. Oh, sounds yeah. sweet. And the grow went well? Uh, yeah, well, there was a bit of uh, powdery mildew, but that's, oh. I think it's like an East Coast problem. Okay. It's very, very, very humid here, our temperature. And, uh, that'll do it, yeah. Yeah, humidity yeah. will do it. Well, cool for you. You're just at the start of harvest now? You're just pulling the plants down? Uh, well, actually, we're just, uh, we've done the hang drying, so we're just oh, nice. taking everything apart. And, so now you're heading into the curing stage? Exactly. Cool. Yeah. I'd, I, I wish it was, uh, that we had the ability through the phone to have a smell and a taste of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be a good technology. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody's thinking of something they need to invent, that would be it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we could share a toke across the half the country. Oh yeah. That'd be amazing. So I kind of said in the intro to uh, what's happening here, Shane, that you had contacted me to give me a perspective on what's happening in Quebec. Because, of course, I, yeah. do, I do a lot of talking about what's happening out in BC and because that's yeah. where I am. So so let's let's get into that. First of all, kind of give me your cannabis heritage, Shane. How long have you been imbibing and, and what got you started? Uh, okay, so uh, imbibing, maybe like 17 or 18. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of got into uh, into it very early, uh, the, the growing aspect of it. Nice. Don't want to go into too much details. No, right? of course. <laughs> but uh, started earlier. Uh, I'm a very research-driven person, so I had uh, acquired a, uh, a High Times magazine a long time ago that explained uh, for the first time in like a public setting about super cropping, and then I started implementing that. And oh, nice! I really enjoyed that, and then um, I ended up working for. Uh, a head shop for about 10 years in many different departments. Yeah. And uh, after that, I got my first uh, MMPR, Designated Persons Growing License, in 2009. And I've been growing under the uh, MMPR and ACMPR rule, uh, laws since then. Oh, wow. So we're going on uh, 11 years now. And and that's obviously worked out well for you. Well, I mean, it's it's all for... I... I, I it, you know, under these permits, I do it for, for more experience, right? Yeah. Because uh, I wasn't really like, I mean, uh, 
I like school, but you know, I like getting down and working a bit, bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So, uh, so I'm just trying to build, you know, experience until I can maybe get hired at an LP or, you know, well, get more you. into the, yeah. That's a good career, pl- career path. Yeah. So- I was even looking into, uh, in New Brunswick, they have, um, a university that gives a, I, I think it's in New Brunswick and they have one in Ontario and Niagara Falls. They, okay. they actually have university classes for growing cannabis in the commercial industry. The, the, the industry is changing so much. Our world is changing I know, so it's, much. It's, it's very, 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 uh, how can I say? It's very pleasing in yeah, some absolutely. aspects and uh, over here, uh, it's not as pleasing, but at least it's there. Well, exactly. And, and, and that's kind of some of the things that I wanted to get into as well. So now, yeah. a- am I correct in the legal age in Quebec is now 21? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They raised it up to 21, um, which I find is not very smart if they're trying to pull it away from the black market, because one of the biggest buying demographics would be between 18 and 21. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, uh, we're, you know, right next to Ontario and Ontario, the (laughs) alcohol laws are 19 and we get a lot of Ontarians coming in at 18 to come and drink in our bars. Right. Right. I I can't believe that the Quebec government does not see the irony of of what they were doing there. No, because now I, I envision, you know, people heading over from Ontario, as you just indicated to Quebec to do some drinking when they're 18. And yet now that when they're older, they're going to be heading back to Ontario to, to smoke some cannabis. That's just exactly. Exactly. Did, did, did they, was it just simply to limit the access? Was that the idea that as far as you know? Wow. Yeah. It was, uh, because, uh, the current government in Quebec, um, they're, they're the CAQ actually stands for coalition, uh, l'avenir du Québec, which means the coalition of Quebec's future. Okay. So they're very big on, they want to protect the future and, and help it along. Uh, I find they're doing everything backwards, but yeah. that's for another talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, that's, that's pretty bizarre. Um, so what is the but, retail model in Quebec? How, how, what happens? So we have, um, it's almost like we have, um, individual LCBOs or, you know, like the liquor commissions. Okay. So we have, we have our own government run stores. Okay. And that's it. That's the only access. That's it. We don't have any other access unless, wow. um, unless you get a prescription and then you fall under the medical Okay, and you can apply at LPs and you can buy directly from them. Right. Regardless of which province you're in. I think that still holds true for, for yeah, most exactly. of the certificates. Um, wow. Now with our SQDC, which is the Société de Cannabis de Québec, um, they actually have a uh, screener where like LPs will get their okay from health Canada, and then they'll apply to be allowed to sell at the SQDC. So there's a lot of LPs that we don't have access to. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, so they specifically have to apply to the government to be allowed to be purchased in Quebec. Exactly. And until they go through that process, it's not even on the shelves for you to choose. Exactly. One of the first, uh, one of the first West coast brands that we had was broken coast, which is a really nice brand. Very nice brand, but over here, uh, we're paying, uh, I think it's $47 for the eighth. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately there are, there are some stores here that are probably about the same for some of that broken yeah. coast stuff that it's, that it's the eight. It seems to be one of the more premium yeah. ones. So, so what are you finding price wise uh, across the board in terms of what you're getting in the Quebec stores? Is it astronomically priced? No, no, no. The, the pricing is, is good. It varies. 
there's there's least less expensive stuff and there's the more expensive stuff. Okay, good. The uh, one thing that doesn't help is the staffing. Uh, the employees at the SQDC and the fact that we're not allowed to look, smell, or anything at all. Oh, so you have no, there's no bud bars there where you can there's get There's no any... bud bars. You walk in, wow. uh, <laughs> you kind of see what's on the shelf and what you've seen from previous purchases or friends. Um, <laughs> so it's always a surprise. Every time I go and purchase, I run into my car and then I open it and I take a look <laughs> and then I see if I get shafted or not. Right. That, that is hilarious. I, I, I had seen some pictures recently of, of uh, an old liquor store, probably back in the fifties or sixties, back in the day where there was no product and it was just a counter that you came to. And, and that sounds like it's kind of the same thing that you're dealing with. In Quebec it is. Wow. It is. And, um, <laughs> they, they seem to only be hiring, uh, yes men or yes people if we want to be politically correct but okay. you know uh the only thing that they're educated on is the level of thc <laughs> so when i go buy a product they're like oh you you can get this at 14 percent or this at 21 percent and, and as it. you and i both know as enthusiasts it's more about the entourage effect <laughs> so i like i like to give them this spiel every time i'm like i'm sorry but you're selling me a spaghetti sauce and you're asking me if i want more or less tomatoes <laughs> that's a good way to put it i love right that. <laughs> and uh so they don't really talk about anything uh from what i've researched our government actually doesn't believe that indica or sativa are a thing okay Okay. For them, it's it's uh, THC percentage is the only uh, defining factor. Uh, that's it. They've, they've limited everything to THC yeah. percentage. Wow. Whereas, <sighs> if we look into alcohol, because we have a big we have a big alcohol community in Quebec. Yeah. Um, you know, you it's like comparing wine wine to scotch. You know, yeah. oh, thirteen percent, forty percent. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but if you had a thirteen percent scotch, it would still be a scotch. You know. Wow. It's very different. And, and, uh, and do you think some of that chain is, is because like, for example, I find as I just watch what's happening across the country, it appears to me that there's two governments across our country that really do not like cannabis. One of them would be Quebec and the other would be Manitoba. Do, do you get that perception that it, it is the people in the government who just do not like cannabis and they don't want to see it get established? Uh, I, I honestly can't speak towards Manitoba. At no, of course all. not. No, I'm, I'm referring to Quebec. Um, I find that because Quebec is usually a liberal province. Yeah. That's what I find so odd about it. And the CAQ is the, you know, like here we, we kind of tend to vote like the Americans, you know, we go one way and then they do something we don't like. Then we go the opposite. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's Canada. I'm afraid. <laughs> right. We, we always do that. But this, the, the, the CAQ was like this third option. And then we had this fourth option was that was mainly for young voters. Okay. It was a lot of new ideas, you know, renewable energy, yeah. um, uh, open market for cannabis, it was, it was, you know, very big ideas, but the wow. older generation didn't like that. So they all voted CAQ and they're very reserved. And, and so what is the, the perception, uh, if you can share what you've gathered from other people in your world besides you, do people feel the same way about what they're doing with cannabis that they just don't have it right? It, I would say that my, my view, even from my entourage and the people that I interact with, would be biased because a lot of people that I talk to are part of the industry. Okay. Okay. 
And so, do, do you get a sense of, of what people outside of the industry, do you have any interaction with some of them to see how they're feeling about this? Not necessarily, but I know that people always, like the people that I do know that I have nothing to do with the industry, they always keep a number handy, if you know what I mean. No, no. They what, always what have somebody that, that they, oh, they have somebody they can give a call to. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. You they know, like know a personal a friend. Yeah. They know a guy. They <laughs> yeah. always have a guy. There's always a guy. <laughs> There's always a guy. Exactly. And the guy stays employed, right? <laughs> so, so I'm going to gather from that then, uh, based on your experience and, and probably because it's much the same as what the other provinces are, black market is still pretty strong in Quebec. I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird how, how the government's... Uh, magically thought that this was going to take away that government, but they haven't addressed access. Oh, you say that the price is not too bad in Quebec, but access is only through the government store. So that, again, black market's easier to get at, right? It's easier, but there's, for more experienced users, there's a level of trust that that you automatically have with the government stores. Because okay. it has to go through such vigorous testing mm-hmm. and it has to make sure there's no pesticides, no mold, uh, nothing dangerous on it. Even if it's not the best quality, you're making sure that there is no powdery mildew because, you know, the guy might not know. That's true. You know, no, absolutely it looks good. That. You know, you never know. And uh, uh, these days, there's a lot of stuff out there that is just not smokable. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, and I'm not looking. I'm not looking for amounts or values here, but I'm curious. Uh, how much of the legal market have you uh, sampled over the the last year or so? Um, I've been more at it recently because okay. we've had more uh, high quality. Okay. I consider myself a connoisseur, and I don't like companies like Hexo. Mm-hmm. The first first time I saw somebody run to the SQDC when they opened a, a year and eight plus ago, they came back. They had Bayou Bud, and it was purple and brown, and all the fan leaves were still attached to it. <laughs> and then the the in 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 quotation marks Bud tenders at the SQDC, uh, they they they're they swear that they've changed it and everything. And I'm like, yeah, but open it and show it to me, please. Yeah, really. Let wow. me, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> um, so we've recently got a uh, house plant, which is Seth Rogen's line, yeah, absolutely. which is actually pretty good. The okay. uh, Indica and Sativa are total, total, total knockouts. They are really good. Nice. Uh, the hybrid is so-so. Okay. Uh, Broken Coast, I enjoy a lot. Yeah, I really um, like that Gabriola. That was, that was one of my yeah. favorite ones was Broken Coast Gabriola. Yeah, that yeah. I really like too. The San Rafael seventy two or seventy one, the uh, Tangerine the Dream. Tangerine is, Dream doesn't that oh, have the, the most unique aroma that the, out it of is, anything? It is so good. It is <laughs> the taste. Ah, oh, it's such a good. It's a good strain. I've t- I've done their purple Chitral, and I didn't like it at all. Okay, so hey, it's like that it, one. It's it's hit and miss, right? If you, especially since you can't see and smell. Well, this is true. See now, now that's the one difference we have here. In that most of the stores, I would say the government yeah. store included and the private stores, they have bud bars. Yeah. Not all the strains are out there. Uh, on average, there's probably within each store, you're going to have maybe 10 or uh, maybe 10 Indicas, 10 Sativas, and, and perhaps some of the balanced stuff. So there's maybe 10 or 30 bud bars, but you can you know, pick it up, take a look at the bud, open it up, have a little smell to it. Like not open it up, but you can open the, the smell container. 
Yeah. What, so you well, they have that in Ottawa. I went. I went down to Ottawa, and we're 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 about two. I would say just under two hours from Ottawa, okay. where Montreal. And when I had went there, uh, there was a um, an eighth for seventy seventy two dollars, and it was from the Whistler Cannabis Company. Okay. Yeah, it's astounding. And it's it was some of the nicest cannabis I have ever laid eyes upon. Yeah, and they, I had. I had the impulse to buy it. I was standing there trying to convince myself to not buy it, to, to reason with myself. $70 is a lot for an eighth, $70 buddy. $70 like, is a lot for an eighth. Huh? And exactly. my problem when I start looking at prices is I, is I put that out into the ounce price. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And that makes it even feel worse. So I had to stop doing that. <laughs> because I do appreciate that there is a time, you know, when I'm doing a, something special and I want to go get some premium, but I don't mind paying a little bit more exactly. for that eighth if I'm getting exactly. something more for it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So if you, if you had the opportunity and uh, the government of Quebec was listening, what changes should they be making to the laws that are, are going to make things better for not only the cannabis consumer, but also for the general public that doesn't consume cannabis? Have properly infor informed employees mm -hmm. and seek third party uh, help for their own references, because it seems that what they have created as their references towards cannabis uh, seem to be interior. And they, it almost seems invented. Oh, okay. It's, it's, uh, we have a lot of like smear campaigns. We don't, we have like, and like cannabis can, uh, you know, you smoke a joint, you're in a car, you might, you'll probably kill somebody. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's almost like the time of prohibition for alcohol over here. It's, it's borderline tyrannical. Wow. That, yeah. that, that's scary. That, yeah. That, yeah. I find that just a scary proposition that people are still have that kind of mindset. Just, just to interject. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but. I think Montreal is is the holder of the first arrest for cannabis uh, during on the day of legalization. Oh, was that right? Yeah, there was a guy at midnight. <laughs> it turned midnight on the seventeenth. He lit up a joint, and the cops arrested him because it was illegal marijuana. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's a that's a point that I hear Jody Emery make all the time. Like like, how can this be legalization if we have legal marijuana? We have and an illegal, illegal marijuana. Cannabis? Come in, seriously. On, on top of that, yeah, yeah, that's bizarre. It's, it's hilarious, almost <laughs> totally bizarre. Wow. Oh yeah, I I, I kind of look at it. I look back, you know, I sit back and I smoke my J and I kind of laugh at it. I mean, I I was mad at it at first, and now it's like, you know what? I don't think this is going to last. I mean, they tried to ban the four plant law yeah. of grow yeah. because then they know that people aren't going to go to the goddamn store. They're just going <laughs> to, you know, they're going to grow at home. They're yeah. going to do what, like a lot of Californians do with the, the six in California. They have like um, six plant maximum grow permits. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just going to end up doing that, becoming really crafty on how to maximize four plants. <laughs> and they're like, no, ban it. And so right now, um, it's all up in the air. We're allowed to, but we're technically not allowed to. Oh, so I didn't realize that they were reconsidering that because I knew as of the moment that you weren't allowed to in Quebec or Manitoba to yeah, grow your four plants. We weren't, we're not allowed, but I think it's been pushed to a uh, federal court. Oh, okay. Interesting. I Be think interesting that's what's going that on. I think out. somebody got caught. And he goes, no, it's a Canadian federal law. Yeah, like like it is, and, and yeah. you know, and that, and, and then there's a the sidebar to the BC legislation, which is not no other province has this, and that is that it, your four plants cannot be seen from a public space. 
Just, That's amazing. Just think about what that means to many people <laughs> where they're going to be That's growing amazing. it. I, I mean, I'm lucky in that our, our yard physically, you can't see anything from anything outside except our neighbors, and you don't have to worry about that. But why do we need stipulations like that for a, a lot of growth for plants? Bizarre. Wow. But maybe maybe uh, it could be to deter theft. Well, uh, uh, yeah, you know, if they're just out help. in the open, somebody <laughs> might just be like, oh, hey, look at that. That's nice and ripe and just snip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that know. didn't help me because, as, as you may know, I have got ripped off the last two times I grew in, oh, the, in that space. So that's so sad. We'll see. But you've really given me a, a good insight into it, to what's happening in your province, Shane. I'm really glad you contacted me and, and suggested we get together. Thank this, you. This I really enjoy your show. Uh, I kind of just found it randomly on Stitcher. I okay, try to find cool. as many cannabis uh, podcasts as I can. And yeah. yours is the first like full-fledged Canadian one that I, I managed to find. Well, I'm glad you so, did. It, it, I enjoy it, it. It's been a blast. So, so let me finish up with my standard hot seat questions. Yes. What's your favorite strain? Blueberry. Ooh, yeah, that is a nice one, isn't it? Have Old had, school blueberry. Yeah. Have you had a good batch of that recently? I have not had any in maybe almost 10 years. Okay. It's time to help Shane out, folks. We need some good blueberry. <laughs> uh, do you prefer joints or vape? Uh, joints. Okay. And, enjoy, I enjoy the ritual of it. Yeah, and, and it is a lot of ritual. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And and when you've been doing it that long, the ritual is, is as much a part of it as the smoke is, isn't it? Exactly. Your favorite munchie, Shane? Oh, geez. Um, it depends how stoned I am. <laughs> well, that's if a good it's answer. Just normal, <laughs> if it's normal, uh, something like chips, chocolates, or quesadilla. Okay. If I'm really like out of it, uh, a spoon in a jar of peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, because it's just easier to eat that way. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> and, and edibles or flour? Uh, a mix between both. Okay, nice. Situational. I enjoy flour, um, you know, for all of the ritualistic aspects and okay. the taste and, you know. Uh, but edibles, I enjoy to take in social events in very small doses. Like for me, uh, 12 and a half to 15 milligrams is enough to just kind of put the social grease on. Good for you. I'm glad you figured out your yeah. dosage and, and, and what works yeah. for you. I, I had to chuckle when I was looking at a story the other day about the, them considering bringing in uh, cannabis lounges in, uh, into Ontario. And they, they won't let you smoke anything, but they may let you uh, eat a cookie. <laughs> like, oh, geez. Like, who's going to go to a lounge to eat a cookie? <laughs> we're, we're not even getting edibles here in Quebec. Oh, oh, really? So they're not even available for you? No, we're wow. not getting them. We're getting, I think we're getting drinks and maybe tea. But edibles is off the table because they want to protect the children because oh, yeah. they think that we're too incompetent to educate yeah. our children. Yeah, that's right. They, they, we, apparently, yeah. we are incredibly competent. So, yeah. so my last um, question, and this all relates to what I find is really interesting terminology as we move across the country. In Quebec, what do you call a 3.5 grams? Oh, uh, we call it a three and a half. See now, there you go. That's a new one. I hadn't heard. Yeah, that not one a, before. not 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 the what is it? Not the the half uh, quarter. The half quarter. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. See here, we we have it like even uh, the anglophones, the English speaking community, we use the French terms. So here they say trois et demi, or set, or quatorze. Right. So we say the same thing. We'll say three and a half, a set for okay. a seven, and then fourteens oh, uh, okay. for the half. Oh, very cool. 
See, yeah. see, I've I've learned something. So now my day is complete. I've I've learned my lesson <laughs> for the day, and, and thank you for that, Shane. This has been a You're great welcome. conversation, I, sir. It has been. Thank you so much for contacting me. Yeah, you enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again. You too. Take care, Gary. Yeah, you too. I think we still got a little time to take a peek at the infographic that Stats Canada released this last week that deals with what's happened after legalization. Prior to October 17th, 2018, and afterwards, one year after, where exactly are we? So this infographic is rather interesting. I've posted it, of course, back at CannabisPodcast.com. You can check it out for yourself. Let's look at a couple of those values. For example, cannabis use by province prior to legalization. Or rather, no, let's go after legalization. So the change since 2018 has been over the total country, a 2% increase in the number of people who use cannabis in our country after legalization. BC, surprisingly enough, no change. Alberta, 3% higher than it was. No change. Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, 4% change rise in Newfoundland, 4%, a 5% change in New Brunswick, a rise. 5% in Nova Scotia, and no change in PEI. Prior to legalization, 40% of Canadians reported being a passenger in a vehicle driven by someone who had used cannabis within two hours of driving, lower than before legalization. After, 13% of cannabis users, 620,000 people, with a valid driver's license reported driving within two hours of using cannabis, unchanged from before legislation. After legalization, more consumers reported getting cannabis from legal sources and fewer reported getting it from illegal ones or from family and friends. So in 2018, we have seen about 23% were getting it from legal markets, 52% were getting it from the illegal market, and 49% from family and friends. It's flipped around. After Now in 2019, after legalization, 52% of people, Stats Canada is reporting, are buying their cannabis legally. 40% are buying it still illegally. illegally. (laughs) And 38% are getting it from family and friends. And then their last bit in this infographic talks about, did you know that after legalization, 6% of Canadians, and that's 1.8 million people, consumed cannabis daily or almost daily, unchanged from before legalization? That stat does not surprise me, actually. 33% of 18 to 24-year-olds reported consuming cannabis in the three months preceding the survey, the highest rate among all age groups and unchanged from before legalization. And 10% of 15 to 17-year-olds reported consuming cannabis in the three months preceding the survey, lower than before legalization, when it was at 20%. I also find that a very interesting stat. So it's there for you to take a peek at as well. That's the Picture as Stats Canada sees it from before legalization to after legalization in 2019. And that just about wraps up what we got for you this week. Again, as usual, as has been noted, if you have someone who you think we should talk to or a topic that we should cover, please send the info to info at cannabispodcast.com. As has been noticed, the last few people who have been on for conversations have been people that took that very first step. So please do if you feel so inclined. And by the way, a little shout out to Chris. He's a listener who has discovered us of late and fairly eager and sending all kinds of ideas for shows. Keep it up, Chris. One of those is going to sink and we're going to bang on and find one that works for us. So that about wraps it up for episode 40 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, 
This was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.